Welcome to Trinity Sermons. Here at Trinity Church Streetsville, we want to share with you biblically-based messages that not only teach, but also inspire you in your faith journey as we learn together to love Jesus, live like Jesus, and lead others to Jesus. We are thrilled to be starting a brand new sermon series today, and we are so glad that you are joining us for it. This is episode one of our new series titled, What Makes You Happy? And Rob Herkmans will be exploring the passage from Matthew 22, chapters 35 to 40, and specifically looking at what, or more accurately, who makes us happy. Now, before we begin, we'd like to invite you to follow our podcast, check us out on social media, and visit our website at trinitystreetsville.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. God bless. Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 to 40. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Well, as you've heard by now, we're starting a new teaching series. And the the teaching series is called, What Makes Us Happy? That could be a question. That could be a statement. But let's imagine for a second. Let's say that I'm a researcher. And I want to get to the bottom of this question to figure out what makes us happy. How would I conduct my research? Well, I suppose one of the things I could do is I could just go around and I could start asking people what makes you happy. I could say, what makes you happy? What makes you happy? What makes you happy? Because after all, who knows what makes us happy except us? Only I know what makes me happy. Only you know what makes you happy. And so I would do my research. I would collect everything that people said. I would, I would file it. I would uh, publish it. It would, you know, I'd do the talk show circuit. I'd become a famous researcher who determined what makes us happy. But what if I was wrong in the end? What if actually all my results were incorrect? What if all that stuff that people told me makes them happy actually didn't make them happy? And it wasn't that they were trying to lie to me. It was just they actually didn't know the answer for themselves. They, they thought they knew what made them happy, and that's what they told me. They assumed they knew what made them happy, and that's what they told me. But what if what they actually said didn't make them happy and actually doesn't make them happy? What if, in fact, people don't really know the answer to the question, what makes us happy? Or as actually some real researchers who researched the topic of happiness put it, people are terrible at knowing what's good for them. Now, you might be totally offended by that statement. How dare somebody say that I don't know what's good for me and I don't know what makes me happy, but it is kind of true because if you think about it, if we all want to be happy, Um, but many of us are not happy, then could it be that we actually don't know what it is that makes us happy? Now, it's not your fault. It's not my fault 
when we're not happy. Because every time you open up a magazine, every time you turn on the television, every time you scroll through Instagram or you scroll through Facebook, there are people who you've never met who live in cities that you probably never visited and they are creating commercials and they are creating advertisements and they are trying to tell you what makes you happy. Now it's important to know these people actually don't know what makes them happy any more than you know what makes you happy. They are just trying to sell something. But the point is we fall for it again and again. We fall for it once, twice, and a hundred times. We find ourselves scrolling through our phone and scrolling down our screens and watching the ads and and we start saying things like, well, you know, if only I had, I'd be happy. Or if only I've done, I'd be happy. If only I wore, then I'd be happy. If only I drove, then I'd be happy. If, if only I went, if only I had, then maybe I would be happy. And we spend a lot of time and we spend a lot of money trying to be happy and yet we still aren't happy sometimes. So maybe it's true. Maybe we actually don't know the thing that makes us happy. To find out what really makes people happy, you'd have to do a different kind of research project. You couldn't just go around and say, hey, what makes you happy? What makes you happy? Because we know that you know, people would tell us things and it wouldn't necessarily be true. But what you'd have to do is you would have to actually look at people's lives. You'd have to look at people's lives over a long, long period of time. And you'd have to actually observe their, the times in their lives when they really experienced happiness. Imagine you could do a research project like that. Imagine you do a research project that didn't just last a day or a week, but a project that lasted like 85 years long. And imagine that you didn't just talk to one or two or three people. Imagine you talked to thousands and thousands of people about what made them happy. And what if you observe these people and you didn't just observe teenagers, you didn't observe young adults or adults or seniors, but you, you observe people from all ages of life. And what if you observe people who were poor and people who were rich and people from all sorts of different ethnic backgrounds? And what if you didn't just study them in the moment, but there was a way in which you could study their lives as their lives unfolded over time? What if someone was actually able to do kind of research like that. Well, maybe then you'd actually start to learn what makes people happy. Well, enter the world-famous Harvard study on happiness. It is the longest scientific study on happiness. It is 84, 85 years and counting. And for 85 years, they have been tracking hundreds of individuals, taking thousands of measurements, asking thousands of questions. And the the current uh, directors of the world-famous happiness study uh, recently wrote a book called The Good Life. And I, I had a chance to read this book while I was on vacation this summer. And I was so excited. I was like, I cannot wait to see what they say is the thing that makes people happy. And, and of course, I started reading and it was there right in the very first chapter. And, and when I got to it, I was like, well, duh. <laughs> I mean, of course, I, I already knew that. 
I, I know that's true. I think we, we obviously, obviously that's the thing that makes everybody happy. I mean, that's what they found. They found that there is one factor that again and again with strength and consistency is constantly associated with happy people. And when you hear what it is, you're going to say the exact same thing. You're going to say, oh, I'm not shocked because deep down we all knew this. We all know this, right? The thing that makes us happy, it's not career achievement. It's not, you know, necessarily money or wealth or advancement or a healthy diet or anything. All those things help. Those things help, they say. But there's one thing, most of all, that really makes us happy, and that is relationships. Duh. Relationships. Yes. In fact, let's take a quote from the book. They said, if we had to take all 84 years of the Harvard study and boil it down to a single principle for living, it would be this. Good relationships keep us healthier and happier, period. That means if you were going to make one choice for your life, a single decision to best ensure your own health and happiness, science tells us that the best thing you could do would be to cultivate warm relationships. It's not just a choice you would make just once. It's a choice that you would make again and again each and every day. And when we talk about the types of relationships that make people happy, it's not just your closest loved ones or your family members or your friends, but even our relationships with interactions with strangers actually make us happy. But we often don't think it will. Let me tell you about one of the experiments that they, they had in the book. It was, it was pretty fascinating. They said, uh, imagine this. Imagine that you were sitting down on a train uh, and, and on this train, it is just filled with, with strangers. And you need to make a decision about what's going to make this the happiest commute for you today. You have two choices. Your one choice would be to keep to yourself. And the other choice would be to spark up a conversation with one of these random strangers on the train. Now, uh, if I was to ask you that question, just like the researchers asked a bunch of people this question, nearly all of us would say, oh my goodness, I would just totally keep to myself. Right? I've got some work to do. I would rather listen to a podcast, listen to some music. Besides, if I spark up a conversation with a stranger, they're probably going to go on and on and tell me their whole life story. And it's going to become really, really awkward. And so uh, they predicted, you predict, I predict, we all predict that what's going to make us happy is if we keep to ourselves and we don't get into something with a stranger on a train. Well, what they did is they actually did this study. They took a bunch of commuters and they asked them to predict. And they predicted the exact same things we predict, that they would rather keep to themselves and start a conversation with a stranger. And then they split the group into two and they told this group, we want you to intentionally keep to yourself on this train trip. And they told this group, we want you to intentionally enter into conversation with a stranger on this train trip. And when the results came back, it was exactly the opposite of what everybody had predicted for themselves and about themselves. People who had to get into a conversation with a stranger consistently rated the enjoyment and pleasure of their commute higher than usual. Even if they had work to do, they found themselves to be, you know, still as productive as ever and they enjoyed the trip more. Why is that? It's because relationships are the things that make us happy. Whether it's with loved ones or with complete strangers, but often we don't know it and we don't act like it's true. In other words, happiness we're discovering is more about who than what. 
which totally makes sense because if happiness was just about a what, all you'd have to do is go out and get that what and you'd be happy. If you had a miserable day at work and you came home from work, you could just go pick up your what and hold on to it and you become happy again. Everybody would be happy if happiness was a what. You could just pick it up. But happiness is almost always a who and it is not a what. I'm going to give you some examples of how I, I kind of feel like this played out in my own life from time to time. But I remember when I was in high school, I don't think, I, I think I'm remembering it correctly, but the thing that mattered most to me was the who's, uh, not, not the what's. If I went to school and I could find a group of people that I felt like I connected with and I had a community and these were my people, these were my who's, that was more important than what I had or what I was wearing. I needed to have those who's. That was more important to me. Uh, Sometimes when we go to visit my parents, they have this big wall full of photos. My parents uh, came from Holland, they came from England to Canada, and it was a hard, hard life for them. They eked out a living, they didn't have much. But I look at all these photos on the wall and they're all smiling and they're all happy. And why is that? It's because happiness is more about a who than it is a what. Or let's go a little further. Some of you, like me, you've been to maybe a developing country, and you've been to those countries, and you you see people who do not have enough what. They need more stuff. They need more resources. They need more education. They need more support. And, And that's all true. But when you come back, one of the things you're often struck with is, man, they still seemed happy. How could that be? It's because even though they did not have very much what, they still had lots of who, and even though they needed more what, and they need more what, they had enough who, and it's the who's that make us happy. Or here's an, another example. Have you ever noticed that when somebody in your family is sad, you have a really hard time being happy yourself, right? I can't be happy if you're sad. Why is that? Because my happiness is related to the other who's in my life. And if you're happy, I can be happy. But if you're sad, I have a really hard time being sad because happiness has more to do with who's than what's. Or perhaps the best example, maybe the one people always talk about, is at the end of your life. When you're lying on your deathbed, the thing that you will want to see the most is not a thing. It'll be a person. It'll be a who, not a what. You will not say, bring me my portfolio. I want to see it one last time. You will not say to the nurse, would you please wheel me down to the parking lot, out to my car. I just want to spend a few more moments with my car. That's not what you'll say. You'll say, can you bring me my kids? Bring me my grandkids. Bring me my my spouse. Bring me my parents, whatever the case may be. Happiness is about who? It's not about what. And you'd have your own stories, I think, to verify that. So you could answer the question, what makes us happy, by saying this, nothing makes us happy. And when I say nothing, what I mean is no thing makes us happy. No what makes us happy. It's a who, not a what. In fact, I want to suggest to you today that there's actually three who's, three who's in particular that I find that happy people seem to be in really good relationships with these three who's. Again and again, you come across happy people, you say, man, they seem to have really good relationships with these three who's in their life. What are these three who's? Here's the first one. First of all, happy people <laughs> seem to, uh, to be really happy with themselves. The first who is you. They have a peace about who they are. If you've ever met a happy person, you'll have this sense that they know who they are and they're not trying to be someone else. They're not pretending, they're not projecting, they're not promoting themselves, they're just genuine. They have a a right relationship with themselves, you could say, 
right? And often in this word, we're told, you know, go and be this person or go and act like that person. And when we go and we try to act like something we're not, it actually takes away our happiness, creates turmoil within us. But when you meet a happy person, it's like they say, hey, I am happy to be me, right? I, I, I'm, I'm cool with who I am. I am who I am, and I'm okay with that. They're in the right relationship with themselves, But there's a second who that happy people seem to have really good relationships with, and that is with others. Happy people have good relationships with other people. They don't seem to be angry. They don't seem to be bitter all the time or ready to blow up. Even if they've been mistreated, they still seem happy. Sometimes you hear their story and you'll be like, I can't believe they did that to you. I can't believe she said that to you. You must be so furious. You must be so bitter. You must be so resentful. But then these happy people say things like, well, you know what? I just kind of moved on. I just kind of forgave them. You know, I don't want to deal with all that, you know? And uh, so I just moved on and that was that. They're not consumed with with payback. They're not consumed with revenge. Happy people say it's okay. And we're like, it is not okay. That is not okay. And they're like, yeah, you know, it's okay. It's okay. I'm ready to move on. They have good relationships. They've reconciled their relationships with other people in their life. So those are the first twos of of the first two who's of happiness. We have right relationships with ourselves and right relationships with other people. But I would say that another thing you sometimes, not always, I will not say always, but you, when you encounter people who are happy, oftentimes they also have another relationship that's in the right place, and that's their relationship with God. They just have this peace with God. There's something uh, about them. They believe that there's more to this life than this life, and they believe that God loves them and that God has a purpose for their life. Uh, They believe that in the end, somehow everything is going to work out, and that belief enables them to go through life, go through difficult stuff that would otherwise steal people's happiness, but they're able to cruise on through because they have this right relationship with God. And so here are the three who's of happiness. Our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with others, and our relationship with God are the three things that make us happy. And anything that undermines these three relationships often steals our happiness away from us, right? In fact, if you think back to an especially unhappy time in your life, chances are it was because one of these relationships was undermined or broken or or fell apart. Whatever happened, I'm not sure what it was. Maybe it was with God or with others or something that you just lost faith in yourself. Anyways, it chipped away at your happiness because the relationship was broken. So if I was to turn this into a bit of an equation, you might call this the happiness equation. You could, you could put it this way. You could say that happiness is the sum of uh, right relationships with ourselves, a right relationship with others, and right relationship with God. But I think actually this works better, not so much as a sum, but almost as a flowchart. And that is to say this. When we have a right relationship with God, that actually leads us to have a renewed right relationship with ourselves. And that makes it possible for us to actually have right relationships with other people. When we get it right with God, something happens inside of us, changes us, and then we're able to love people, forgive people, and and get it right with others. Now, 
I know if you go look in the Bible and you say, oh, Rob, I don't see the happiness equation anywhere in the Bible. What, what are you talking about? Of course, you won't find it. The happiness equation is not in the Bible. That's not what the Bible calls it. That's not what Jesus calls it. But it seems to me that this is exactly what Jesus was talking about today in our reading this morning. Jesus is offering us this recipe, this recipe for satisfaction and peace and happiness in our life. And it has everything to do with these three Who's? I want to end by just taking you through that story one more time. It all started when a lawyer asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, you know, what is the most important thing in life? Now, what is the most important law in life? What is the most important commandment in life? It makes sense that a lawyer is asking questions about commandments and laws. It was kind of his job. And, and uh, there are in the Old Testament something like 600 different laws. So it's not necessarily the easiest question to answer. And, and so he says, teacher, which of these commandments is the greatest commandment in the law. And it's funny, you might be saying like, Rob, I don't know where you're going with this, but when I think of commandments and when I think of laws, I think of things that keep me from happiness, not not things that actually uh, cause me happiness. Laws don't give happiness. But, But Jesus replied, and he replied this way. He said, he said, the greatest commandment is love. And then Let's just pause there for a moment. Probably at this point, the lawyer was like, no, 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 Jesus, you, you, you probably didn't hear the, the question. Um, I was looking for a commandment. And Jesus says, yeah, yeah. So the greatest commandment is this love. And he's like, no, no. You see, I'm looking for, give me a couple thou shalt not or thou shalt. I'm looking for like some rules, like some do's and don'ts. What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus is like, no, I heard, I heard the question. So here's the greatest commandment. Greatest commandment is to love. And, and he's like, I want a commandment. This love, that's a relationship word, Jesus. That's not a, that's not a legal word. That's not a commandment word. But see, Jesus knew that God's laws have everything to do with relationships and are given actually to make us happy, especially this one. Jesus goes on to say, this is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Now look at this. Just look. There's the happiness equation. There are those three who's, the three important relationships. Love God, love others, and love yourself. The most important thing in life is to have a right relationship with God. God loves you. Can you love God back? The second thing is to, is to love others, to love your neighbor. And the third thing is to actually to love yourself, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. My friends, this could be, this, what we're looking at right now, could be the only thing that we really need to learn in this life. Loving God, loving others, loving yourself. This is the key to peace, satisfaction, and happiness in your life. So if you were to say, Jesus, Jesus, what's most important? He'd say, love God, love others, love yourself. Jesus, well, how do I find the purpose in my life? He says, love God, love others, love yourself. Jesus, if you were to distill and summarize all the commandments in the whole Bible and all the Old and New Testament, what, what, what would you boil it all down to? Love God, love others, and love yourself. And then we would say, but Jesus, if I were to love God and to love others and love myself, well, then, then I'd, I'd be happy. And Jesus would say, you got it. And, and then we'd probably say, but if that's the case, Jesus, then it really sounds like you want me to be happy. And I think Jesus would say, I do want you to be happy. After all, why did Jesus come? 
Wasn't it to mend the broken relationships that exist between God, others, and within ourselves? Isn't that what the cross was about? Our sin, our selfishness shattered and broke relationships all over the place. But Jesus came to fix all that. Paul puts it this way. He says, all this comes from God who fixed the relationship between us and him. And then called us to fix our relationships with each other. So just let me get this straight. If happiness depends on right relationships with God and with others and with myself, and if Jesus died to heal the relationships between God and others and myself, then Jesus must really want me to be satisfied and happy in this life. Which for some of you is a bit of a revolutionary idea because you have always assumed that actually God was in the way of your happiness. Some of you left church for this reason. You went to church and you found church to be such a dry and dull and boring place. And it was so cold and it was so lifeless. And the people did not seem happy. And and so you almost had felt like you had to make a decision. Either I I, I follow all this these religious rules and rituals, or I am going to be a happy person, but, but the, both can't exist at, at the same time. And you, you had to make a choice. You thought God was against happiness. And so you, you chose, of course, happiness over God. You chose happiness over, over church like all of us would do. Because who wants to be unhappy? Of course you left. Of course you left. But what we've learned today, actually, is God is not in the way of our happiness. God is actually providing a way for our happiness. Jesus' death restores our relationship with God and then transforms our relationship with ourselves, and then enables us to live in right relationships with other people. And those are the very three things we need to be happy. So I'm going to end there this morning. And I think that leaves us with a lot to think about as we you know, continue next week. Uh, let me just say, I think there's four, four things here today. There's some surprising news, there's some good news, there's some bad news, and there's some great news. Surprising news we learned was this. We don't always know how to be happy. It's, it's strange, but we spend time and money on things that we think will make us happy, but they don't. But the good news is there is a way to be happy. Our happiness comes from the who's in our lives, not the what's in our lives, and so we can be happy, especially if we pursue great relationships with ourselves and with others and with God. But here's the bad news. Relationships are hard and often they break down over time. Our relationships with others, our relationship with God. And if they're broken, then how can we be happy? And then the great news, Jesus came to heal all those broken relationships with God, with ourselves and with others, which means that if you want to be happy, and we all do, Jesus knows the way, and he can lead us in that way because he made the way. So I hope you come back next week as we continue this series. I think you'll be happy if you do. (laughs) Um, But uh, for now... (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today, and we hope that you found the sermon positive and inspiring. And come back next week for our next sermon. Take care. Today's sermon was taken from the September 17th, 2023 service at Trinity Church Streetsville in Mississauga, Ontario. 